2: a Day Podcast.
3: everyone, and welcome to another edition of a Pack-A-Day podcast. We are inching ever so much closer to the 2019 NFL Draft. And as you guys know, the Green Bay Packers have two first-round picks, pick number 12 and pick number 30, ammo to move around, move up if they choose, move down and get more picks if they choose. A lot of different scenarios that we'll hear so much more about between now and next, well, not next Thursday, but the following Thursday, I'm your host tonight, I am Jacob Westendorf, and joined with me, as always, two weeks in a row, so knock on wood, things appear to be trending our direction and going well for us, is Zach Jacobson. Zach, NBA playoffs started today, the Masters is rolling, I know football season's our favorite, but is there really a better sports month than April? Yeah, you know, you're going
4: to be hard-pressed really to find another one, I mean, because Yeah, you got the Masters, you got the NBA playoffs starting, and you have NFL drafts. So, I mean, like, it's like months of all of this this draft work and the speculation and all these mock drafts thankfully come to an end later this month. Two weeks away, man.
3: Yeah, two weeks away, and and I cannot wait. Uh, Speaking of the draft, the Packers had some minor draft news this week. They re-signed their exclusive rights-free agents, which we all knew was going to happen. So Robert Tanya and Jake Kumaro Well, Geronimo Allison was a different, that was a while back. But players of that sort signed their tenders. They were there for the beginning of the Packers organized team activities conditioning stuff. We're not going to go over Aaron Rodgers' comments and the interview that he had with Jason Wilde, although if you guys have an hour and a half to burn, I would strongly recommend listening to the entire thing. Uh, But that's been hashed, rehashed over and over again. And we're going to move forward. Just like I'm sure Matt LaFleur said at some point this week, I will give Matt LaFleur some credit early. I have no idea if the guy can coach. I have no idea if he's going to be a good head coach, but I can say through two tweets, he's probably already endeared himself to the Packers fan base. One, of course, introducing himself, saying he was proud to stand in front of you know the group of men that he has. And the other one was um, giving his condolences for the loss of Forrest Gregg and uh, really... Immersing himself into Packers culture and what Forrest Gregg meant to the history of the team and all that sort of stuff So uh, obviously uh, condolences from us as well to the Gregg family as Forrest Gregg passed away on Thursday or Friday Uh, I don't remember which at this point and I apologize for that So a lot of um, interesting stuff going on this week draft wise the Packers had some interesting visits Montez Sweat uh, was in town this week and then his teammate Jeffrey Simmons was in as well And really, the biggest thing I think that came out, like rumor wise, was there's some dots being connected between DK Metcalf and the Green Bay Packers. And I say that because Matt Miller, in his most recent scouting notebook, and he's always got a couple nuggets in there every now and again, uh, he said that, you know, there's rumors that the Bills and the Packers might make Metcalf a top 15 pick, and nobody will dispel those rumors. Uh, And Mel Kuyper. Who typically mocks players the closer he gets to the draft, based on stuff he's hearing, has mocked DK Metcalf to the Packers at 12 overall. So, Zach, before we get into quarterbacks and stuff like that, what are your what are your thoughts on that as far as Green Bay potentially taking a receiver that high in the first round, and specifically since it was Metcalf, uh, DK?
4: Well, you really can't have too many playmakers on offense, and you know I think the Packers they wouldn't be kind of really at at a loss here. If they decided to go for Metcalf, they'd kind of, you know, really just load up with skill position players as Aaron Rodgers the final few years of his career. Obviously, he's going into his age thirty six season, so he's not exactly, you know, he's not you know fifty years old yet. But um, I, I think that would just be a rather interesting. I I couldn't see the Packers going after a wide receiver uh, before the second round. Or, you know, if they did, I assumed it would be someone like A.J. Brown or Area 30. You know, I, I could not see them possibly reaching with that first – that first first-round pick, that 12th overall pick that, you know, the Packers, they're not picking that high very often. You know, this team is a special success. They're constantly, uh, you know, winning. It's not very often that they're in a position to land a premium talent, you know, whether that's defensive or offensive. But, you know, cap obviously – in a lot of people's minds, he's wide receiver one. You know, he's he's the guy to a lot of people in this in this wide receiver class. But I still feel like they can get, you know, someone equally as explosive, someone equally, you know, as good of a fit for Matt LaFleur's offense, for what the Packers are trying to do in 2019, either with that second first-round pick or in the second round, even in the third round. You know, someone like Terry, Terry McClellan or, or – Kelvin uh, Harmon, if he falls that low, or even Andy Isabella at 75 if he's there in the third. I mean, who knows? But, you know, personally, me, if I was the general manager of the Creme Packers, which I'm not, and I'm not nowhere close to that, um, I, just, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't touch a wide receiver as well.
3: I wouldn't in this scenario either, just because I like DK Metcalf. I know he's kind of a polarizing prospect. Uh, I do like A.J. Brown a little bit better, but Metcalf, I mean, there are some people I know that have him ranked as low as like 9th or 10th. I have Metcalf anywhere from, I think my 2nd through 4th is kind of interchangeable as far as some of the guys go, you know, Debo Samuel, uh, D.K. Metcalf, obviously, Um, and then, you know, A.J. Brown I have at the top of the list, but I think you can make an argument for any of those guys. My issue with it, I say if you're taking a receiver that high, I would like him to be you know, the level of prospect that Julio Jones was. Um, Amari Cooper comes to mind. A.J. Green comes to mind. And he's just not that. Um, this definitely conflicts with the idea that Daniel Jeremiah suggested that only one receiver could go in the first round, and he thinks that's going to be Hollywood Brown. Or he said it wouldn't surprise him. I shouldn't say that like he reported it as fact. It wouldn't surprise him if only one receiver went in the first round, and that was Hollywood Brown. Now, to me – to continue this discussion a little bit, if DK Metcalf is available at 30, the level of athlete that he is, uh, I almost think that has to be a no brainer for the Packers. I mean, some of that obviously could depend on what they picked first and who else is on the board at that position. Uh, but that would be really enticing to get a level of athlete like that. That, you know, our guy Ross Uglum here for Cheesehead Ed TV has said that he gets vibes on thinking he could be. You know, Josh Gordon without the, the issues he's had, or Terrell Owens. Uh, Terrell Owens, for my money's worth, is the second best receiver I've ever seen play in his prime, uh, the first being Randy Moss. Uh, Jerry Rice obviously was a little bit before my time, but Terrell Owens was a monster. Absolutely great player. Uh, single hit, well Now, I shouldn't say single-handedly, but lifted the Philadelphia Eagles to a Super Bowl season uh, and made them the best team in football when he was healthy before he broke his leg that year. So if that's what you can get, that would be interesting, um, especially considering you know the Packers. I I don't think that you know they have this just awful wide receiver group. But I've said it a lot. I, I don't think that three non-top one hundred picks and two undrafted free agents, Jeronimo Allison and Jake Kumaro, should stop the Packers from adding to their wide receiver room. Now I do ascribe to the theory of. Ross, Peter Bukowski, several others have kind of said it. Either take a stud or don't take one at all. I don't. I, I'm kind of with you, Zach. There. You mentioned some third round guys. I would be okay in the third round, but yeah, I think that if you're not going to take a first or second round wide receiver, maybe the third round. If you get value to slap you in the face, there's not much need for another developmental wide receiver on this roster. Any other thoughts on anything I just said before uh, we move into our topic for today, which is the quarterback class?
4: See, I was going to touch on what what you said about you know taking that polarizing prospect at twelve. There's someone like Julio Jones, but like you said about Metcalf, I don't think he's going to you know he's that guy. You know, we're in agreement there. Um, if it was a different scenario, a different situation where it was someone you know like Metcalf who doesn't have those those kind of I, mean, I shouldn't say physical question marks because he's obviously a freak of nature, but uh, you know someone who people aren't worried about. Bending and you know the, the lateral movements that there's obviously concern with guys. You know a lot of people thinking he, he just runs straight routes and just he, he just goes down the field and lob balls to him all day. But you know that's not the case. Obviously, the guy the guy can the guy can. But, you know I don't think it's to that point where you can justify taking him as well. So we're pretty much in full agreement there.
3: Yeah, and you know I know that some people have pointed out his agility scores and they were pretty poor as far as his agility scores went, but. I think that you know there's other guys that had some comparable agility type of scores and you know one of them that was pointed out to me was des bryant and des bryant is not somebody that i certainly would enjoy uh i i don't like the kind of player i guess that he was the prima donna receiver thing but as a player on the field des bryant was a stud and the packers could certainly use a stud uh at that position to go with devontae adams but Let's move forward a little bit here. Zach, I I think it's pretty clear that the Packers are not taking a quarterback at 12. I know it's been discussed a little bit how it's, you know, Aaron Rodgers is the same age as Brett Favre was when they took Aaron Rodgers the first time around. Uh, The difference being back then, the Packers picked 24th, and this was really very much a case of value. Smacking them in the face, Andrew Brandt pointed out on a radio show recently, that was the only – player they had left on their board that had a first-round grade uh, from the Packers. So they waited, hoped somebody would have them trade down, and nobody obliged for that, so the Packers took Rodgers. And that's how that works. So with Green Bay now, and I've talked about this countless times, (laughs) how I don't think it's the right year for the Packers to take the quarterback. It's not a comparable situation at all. Brett Favre flirted with retirement every year, and the Part that nobody that is a fan of the Packers seems to want to talk about was Favre was pretty bad uh, the season before Green Bay took uh, Aaron Rodgers and then the two seasons following that was horrible. Um, I think the yeah. Rodgers, yeah, I think Rodgers rookie year the Packers went four and twelve and Favre threw nearly thirty interceptions in yep. a season. So that makes it not comparable. Rodgers had a quote unquote bad season and was still by. Almost any measure on a normal standard, a very good player during his season last year. So Rodgers hasn't hit that level of decline yet, uh, and I just don't. I don't think you can pick a quarterback at twelve when you just signed Rodgers to a long-term extension. For better or worse, he's the quarterback of this team for at least the next three years. I think. So if you pick a quarterback now, that's three years he doesn't play. You basically have a one-year audition. And even then, the out, quote-unquote, in that Packers contract for Rodgers isn't an easy one. They'd still be eating a lot of salary cap space just to move on. So, Rodgers is probably the quarterback for the next four years, which sucks up this year's this rookie's entire contract before the option. So, putting him in, a, in an option deal, I just don't think that's very smart. So, from a philosophical standpoint, Zach, we can agree they're not taking a quarterback at 12. However... Maybe they could at some point in this draft class. When is the earliest that you start looking for a quarterback for Green Bay?
4: Well, a lot of that is going to depend on how the board falls. You know, I mean, no, right now they're focused on, I mean, obviously they're focused on really maximizing these last few years. They have with Rogers, and that includes using those those six picks in the top 118 to, to – you know, load up whether on offense or defense, boost up that offensive line, protect the interior. That's clearly their, their, their priority right now. So if I was, you know, if, if I had to pick a quarterback, the earliest I would be looking at one is probably in the fourth or fifth round. You know, or, or you know, I wouldn't spend a fourth round pick on one, but, you know, you could start kind of really entertaining the idea. But I don't think it's a situation where there's so much. Like roger was coming out of Cal, it was obviously very good. He was, you know, top three quarterback in his class. You could argue the best next to Alex Smith. Um, where you have to justify taking a first round pick on him, and he's falling, and you know you can't let that opportunity pass. Up. And like I said too, already mentioned multiple times, and Aaron Rodgers, he has done literally the, the, the exact opposite of that. He has reiterated like time and time again how much he wants to play into his 40s, and how he wants to spend his career in Green Bay. I mean, he's a part-time owner of the Bucks. So, you know, I mean, he's obviously committed to playing football into his 40s, and also, to hammer in your point, yeah, he's he hasn't shown any signs of decline. You know, he, he was still heating the ball downfield last season, albeit not very accurately. You know, there were there were occasional, you know, Several issues that played into that, you know, that, you know, really proven factors. But you know, he was still, like that 54 yard throw to Tunyon in Seattle. Robert Tunyon, he, he could still put some juice behind his throws. He's still putting zip behind the ball. So there's no sign of decline with Rodgers. His arm, his surgically repaired shoulder, he's still fine. It is by no means, you know, a similar situation there as opposed to in, you know, in the mid 2000s. Yeah, I, I, I would not be looking for a quarterback early in this draft. I'd say it's a year or two early. Um, but that also brings up the question, how many quarterbacks do you think are in this class that are worthy of going in the top twelve? you know, before the Packers are on the clock?
3: Well, worthy and what will happen are two different things because, you know, as we know, quarterbacks get pushed up the board every single year. And that only got heightened this year when, you know, the Cardinals – When the season ended and the Cardinals were on the clock, we were just kind of like, okay, so that's not a spot for, you know, Dwayne Haskins or Drew Locke or Kyler Murray or whoever it was that ended up, you know, coming out of this process as the top rated quarterback or at least the top rumored to be rated quarterback on teams' boards. So, but then everything changed (laughs) pretty quickly because then you look at, okay, San Francisco doesn't need a quarterback allegedly, the Jets don't need a quarterback allegedly. Uh, the Raiders maybe but probably not, uh, the Bucks, they could again but probably not, they're probably going to ride with Jameis, so the first real spot that you thought when the season ended that could be a spot for a quarterback was six and that's the New York Giants and as we've seen Dave Gettleman doesn't know what he's doing and seems to spit in the face of conventional wisdom uh, every single year as he keeps going through things and that doesn't even, I'm not even talking about you know trading odell beckham shortly after signing him i'm talking about how he's basically said we don't take positional value into account so he'll draft a offensive guard at six overall he'll you know he drafted a running back at two when his team clearly needed a quarterback he's arrogantly talking about how he could sign eli manning uh beyond this year and and eli manning stinks quite frankly he hasn't been good in probably two or three years at this point maybe even longer than that so i I'm getting a little off track. Now that all changed because the Cardinals, it's pretty much written from anybody, are going to take Kyler Murray number one overall. And Kyler Murray being the number one overall pick pushes other quarterbacks up the board. Now you're talking about, you know, somebody is are the Giants going to take still a quarterback They might go defensive player, but are they going to take Dwayne Haskins? Are they going to take uh, Drew Locke is supposedly rising up the board which I don't fully understand. <laughs> but by all means, Daniel Jones will probably be a first-round pick. I mean, I would bet pretty soundly that three quarterbacks are taken before 12. Kyler Murray at one. Somebody will take Dwayne Haskins, and I think Drew Locke is going to go in the top 11 as well. If you had to have me guess which teams take them, I will bet one of them is a trade-up. So whether that's the Dolphins or the Redskins moving up, Uh, The Cardinals, obviously, and I think the Cincinnati Bengals. I kind of buy into the idea of Zach Taylor wanting to find his guy, and it's not like Andy Dalton is this established quarterback. But you're right, Zach, with these quarterbacks, the more that go ahead of Green Bay, because Green Bay doesn't need a quarterback. Uh, They don't need a left tackle. They could take a tackle at 12, but I I don't think that's likely. Positions that they don't really need. There's no corners that are going to go that high. Running backs, stuff like that. The more positions that green, specifically quarterbacks, the more position like that that go ahead of Green Bay, the better type of players that slip into that 12 overall draft slot where Green Bay's picking and it could be the sweet spot where that's how guys like Ed Oliver and Brian Burns and Montez Sweat and guys like that fall down the board when really they should have been picked higher, but all these quarterbacks just kept pushing them down the board. So I would bet three of them. To answer the question I asked you really about when am I looking if I'm Green Bay, I'm with you. Day three. Uh, you know, If you want to add somebody that is a potential backup or you know some competition for Deshaun Kaiser and Tim Boyle, a friend of the show, Tim Boyle, as I like to refer to him because he did that one with Andy that one time. Um, but friend of the show, Tim Boyle. If you want to add some competition like Easton Stick – or Clayton Thorson, somebody like that. I don't know if it's necessarily Clayton Thorson, but somebody like that. You know, somebody that has an athletic trait. Uh, Stick is probably my favorite of those developmental quarterbacks. We'll see how that goes uh, on draft day. Whether some teams ding him for being a small school prospect, or if uh, teams don't care and they just look at look at his tape and it looks pretty good. So, uh, you've mentioned obviously the. Uh, philosophy that we have, so we're both looking at quarterbacks on day three, and the more quarterbacks that go earlier, the better. Uh, I definitely think that we should be promoting. They could benefit otherwise too from that. If quarterbacks don't fall down the board,
2: uh, if if let's say just Kyler Hurry goes in the top twelve, and um, let's say if there's a few,
4: you know, decent guys on the board while the Packers are there, there could be a team like the Miami Dolphins hoping to leap ahead, or the Washington Redskins replacing Alex Smith. You know, they can kind of. They have leverage right there with that. That's what overall, like, um, you know, that's pretty
3: interesting. Yeah, that's another way. That's the other side is if the quarterbacks don't go. If it's just Kyler Murray and then maybe one other guy goes, then you're looking at potentially if Green Bay wants to trade back, then they have some quarterback leveraging with Miami sitting right behind them. Uh, that's the other side of things. The other position that we're slated to talk about tonight is the special teams, and I kind of want to basically just go through. They drafted a punter last year. Uh, they drafted a long snapper last year, both of which will be on the team this year. I can't imagine them giving up on draft picks that they spend on specialists that early. But one other potential topic of discussion is Mason Crosby had a bit of a rough year last year. He has a high salary cap number. Um, there could be some potential. I guess I should ask, Zach, is there, even if they don't draft one, can you see a, because here's kind of my thing, if you're going to bring in a kicker, for competition for Crosby this training camp. The only beef I ever had with the kicker competition back in 2000 and I think it was 13 was that it wasn't really a competition. Uh, Mike McCarthy, the head coach at the time, didn't even bother to learn the other kicker's name. He kept calling him Sergio, which was Giorgio Tavecchio. And he referred to, them, to him as that several times throughout camp. So he never bothered to learn the other guy's name. Uh, it's not really much of a competition if the coach doesn't care enough to learn the guy's name. So my thing on this is if you're going to bring in competition, I'm okay with it. But make it a real competition. Uh, make Crosby earn his roster spot. Because, I mean, last year, and I would admit perhaps I was overreacting. But after the Detroit Lions game in Detroit, when Crosby missed, I think it was four field goals and an extra point, or something like that. Missed five kicks total, whatever they were, you know, is how they shook out. But I, <laughs> I remember because I tweeted that day: make the kicker walk back to Green Bay and then cut him when he gets there. Um, I was, I was in favor. Um, again, perhaps an overreaction, but as you can see, like Crosby last year, the Lions game—if he makes those kicks—they're in a better position to win. If he makes a field goal as time expires in Lambeau against the Vikings, we're not talking about a tie. If he makes a field goal against the Arizona Cardinals, that game goes to overtime. Maybe Mike McCarthy doesn't get fired midseason if that sort of game happens. Crosby is being paid a lot of money to make those kind of kicks, and he simply didn't last year. So I'm asking you, Zach, is there room this year for some competition to be brought in? And if so, are you willing to spend a draft pick to do so?
4: Probably not. Um, I mean, you look at last year, the Packers didn't really have much of a viable option of punter on their roster, which really justified that J.K. Scott pick. And plus, he was obviously the best, you know, well, at the time, we thought he was the best punter player in the class, but the Seahawks apparently took the actual best punter. We later found out. But, um, no, I, 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 I don't think right now you can you kind of really spend a draft pick on, on a kicker. Um, Crosby last season, coming off that Lions game. I mean, you know, Aaron Rodgers stuck by him. You saw the team stuck by him. We don't know if you know the Packers are going to move in a different direction, but I I can fully support the idea of bringing in another guy that's maybe you know on the street, bring him in for for a tryout, see so if he can compete in camp, and really make Mason Crosby earn his spot. You know, even though he, he I mean, he's not he's not young. Okay, he's going to turn thirty five in September before the season starts. Okay, so. You and both know, obviously, though, that kickers are—they can play for a very long time. You know, kickers are the one position on an NFL roster that just seems to kind of really just just play out a 20-year career, and that's that. You know, these guys can last. The other parties like nothing. So, I think with Crosby, you kind of—you got to give him that that fresh start. You know, everyone's getting this fresh start with Matt Lafleur coming in and McCarthy being gone. And, you know, this whole roster is kind of being shaken up a little bit, the whole coaching staff. So, I mean, I don't see any reason to kind of kick aside a good football player like Mason Crosby, who has come to free time and time again and has not really proven otherwise to say that he's not you know, he's not a form of option, you know, as a kicker. And right now the Packers don't exactly have the options, but I think any of the picks that they have right now should be kind of into improving. Areas of the roster, even if it's a sixth round pick or a seventh round pick, I mean you can't really let those sneak by you. Equanime St. Brown was was a sixth round pick, and he played significant snaps last year. And he's expected to play significant snaps in the future. So you know you don't know what you're going to be able to find in that sixth round. If like, I can really get another kind of gem, whether offensively or defensively, then you use one, you know one of those late round picks, and you know to use it on a kicker when you really already have a. a Strong option there on your roster. I just I, I
5: can't see that
3: happening. Yeah, I don't think I would be willing to use a draft pick on one. Um, I, I'm okay with competition, like I mentioned. Um, Crosby has been good in the past. He's also had some other shaky years. You know, like I mentioned, I was ready to cut him after the Detroit game this year. Uh, I was certainly one of the people talking about cutting him in 2012 when it seemed like every kick was an adventure. Um, that was cool. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I also understand your point of giving him a fresh start with the new head coach, getting a chance. He's, it is a contract year, so it is possible that Green Bay could just let this year play out. If he stinks, uh, you don't have a problem cutting him just because, you know, like I mentioned, it's a contract year, so you can cut him pretty easily, and you just kind of start the search for your next kicker a little bit earlier than you intended. I think at the end of the day... The Packers are going to be, nobody's really asked Brian Gutekunst uh, or Matt LaFleur about his kicker situation. So I, I don't know how they feel necessarily. Uh, But I do wonder, you know, if that's something that they will look at. But at this point, you know, the cap space portion, and I know I've brought it up a couple times, but the cap space really doesn't matter, which is something, you know, that's the case of Mason Crosby. It's something I just kind of find funny in general. People still want to cut Brian Belaga for the cap savings to use on what uh, Mike Daniels, somebody said draft at Oliver and, you know, cut Mike Daniels to use that cap space on what, like there's no, there's no benefit to it. It's the same. Like Crosby, the cap space portion doesn't really matter. I just want to kicker for green Bay. And I do still feel pretty good about him when he goes out on the field that he's going to make the kick uh, more often than not. Like I mentioned, I, I joked, a couple years ago, the Packers' last playoff win, obviously, in Dallas. I said to the television before the field goal that if Mason Crosby made that field goal, I promised to name my firstborn son after him. So I don't know if I'm going to hold myself to that if that time ever comes. Thankfully for this time around, it's a girl, so I'm not going to have a girl named Mason. Uh, but that's <laughs> that's beside the points. Um, Zach, one more thing here before we sign off. So we talked quarterbacks, we've talked you know special teams, kickers. What... This is a question I asked on Twitter earlier in the week. As we record right now, we are 12 days away from the first round of the NFL draft. If you had to guess, and I will phrase this the way that I want to in that I have more words than I do characters in this kind of space for Twitter, but if you had to guess who Green Bay's first first first-round pick was going to be, so that gives you some leeway. You can predict a trade down here. You can predict a trade up. You can really do whatever you want with it. If you had to guess right now, who Green Bay was going to take with their first first round pick? Who is it, and why?
4: Well, it's funny. You, you actually mentioned his name at the start of the show, and I, you know, right after you asked me the question, and I was already, I was already kind of thinking about a scenario that I think is more than likely to happen. I think they trade now from twelve, to kind of get get an extra kind of you know, pick during the second or the third, do whatever they can. They trade in, like, the bottom half of the 10s, kind of like that 18, 19, maybe 20 range, and they take uh, uh Cleveland uh, Farrell out of Clemson, and I think they can kind of use just that body for the future. Zadarius Smith and Preston Smith, they were great, great picks from agency, obviously, to help their edge situation, probably rotates the Darius inside, you know, throughout the season. Preston, obviously, a true edge guy. They kind of, you know, when they do that, they could use someone like Farrell just, just – on the opposite perimeter, and that would just be a huge boost for Mike Petten. You can't give him enough pass rushers, and they're obviously going to have a very good interior pass rush like we saw last season. I mean, they have, they have like 31 sacks going into Week 9, and that's like the most I can remember them having in, in like recent memory. So they obviously had no problem getting pressure from the inside, and if you give them someone like Farrell on the outside paired with either is there going to be huge that's, that's huge just going forward in the next season you know even as a rookie he'll be expected to contribute obviously but going forward for, for the future you know this this 21 year old prospect he's going to be this the, the future of that position in Green Bay so i think i could see that happening and goodkins has shown that he is no stranger in training down he's not afraid to do it so opportunity is there Price is right, and he can net you know a, a safe amount of capital in return, then I could definitely see that
3: happening. The trade-down scenario is interesting. Gutekunst, like you mentioned, he traded down and up in his first, first round as a general manager, which is why the Packers have the 30th overall selection this year. Uh, Cleveland Farrell, I think, would be interesting. Uh, he seems to be the type of edge rusher or pass rusher that Petten likes, taller, longer, type of players you see that with obviously Zadarius Smith and Preston Smith I like Farrell I think he's a really good player as far as counter moves he's very good at those sorts of things Green Bay could certainly do a lot worse uh, than Farrell and I think you're right they could trade down to get him get that price correct um, and move down to you know 16 Carolina uh, they probably won't trade with Minnesota at 18 but Nineteen with the Titans, twenty with the Steelers. Maybe if the Steelers really love somebody that they want to come get, um, or maybe you know, maybe it's just fifteen with Washington, and Washington wants to jump Miami for a quarterback. You know, that's that might be the best possible scenario where you know the Redskins give you an extra third round pick, move up three slots, and you probably still get the guy that you want uh, at fifteen if you're Green Bay. But my my gut feeling right now, and again, this is based on sheerly my gut. That's it. Um, I don't have anybody on the inside or anything like that, but if I had to guess right now, I would guess that the 12th overall pick is TJ Hawkinson. Uh, and I'm not sure. I've just kind of felt that way for a while, uh, that green Bay was going to take a tight end in that spot that fits Matt LaFleur's offense, which has obviously been talked about, uh, quite a bit. That backside run blocking game obviously would be a boon for the offense. Uh, he's a, he's a good pass catcher too. He's a good athlete. Um, I just think that you know Green Bay they I, I have this feeling that they signed all these guys on defense in free agency with hope of adding explosive players to the offense. Um, and obviously, my, my thoughts and opinions are subject to change in the next twelve days. But if I had to guess, I would guess TJ Hawkinson. And yes, for those asking. I do see a scenario where they take TJ Hawkinson at 12 instead of Brian Burns or Ed Oliver or somebody like that. Um, If I had to give you an alternative, the other thing I had, I don't think he's going to be available, and this is not the same to me as he won't be their guy, even though it kind of sounds like it is. Um, Actually, it definitely sounds like it is. But if Montez Sweat is available at 12 overall, uh, that taller, longer pass rusher thing – that's what sweat is too. Uh, I think green Bay would take him. They had him in for a pre-draft visit. Sometimes that means something. Sometimes that means nothing, but uh, I think he, he seems like the type of player that green Bay would really like. And Mike Patton really likes. So I think if he's available, that'll be it. But it seems like dots are connecting and tea leaves are connecting to where Montez sweat comes off the board at six overall, uh, to the New York giants. So Betting man, right here, gun to my head, which thankfully there's not. I would guess TJ Hawkinson. Zach guessed a trade down for Cleveland Farrell. Uh, the good news is for everybody, 12 days from now, or 11 by the time you're listening to this, actually, 11 days from now, we won't be guessing anymore. We will know. Uh, that's going to do it for this edition of the Packaday Podcast. Go ahead and follow the show on Twitter. It's at Packaday Podcast. Give us a like, give us a subscription. Uh, Leave a comment, write a review. We like your reviews with five stars. Let us know what we can do for you. What are some things you want to hear about? You can follow me on Twitter personally. I'm at Jacob Westendorf, and you can follow Zach at?
4: Zach A. Jacobson on Twitter. Jacob, we missed a very crucial piece of information. I did. We did. As a team. We're a team here, man. We missed it. By the time everyone listens to this, 364... Days ago, the Packers had Tim Boyle in on a pre-draft (laughs) list. Worth noting.
3: That is worth noting. I can't believe I missed that. My apologies to Tim Boyle and the godfather, Andy Herman. We will be better next time around uh, for that. Now, everybody, uh, like I mentioned, you can follow us, follow the show, everything like that. The Cheesehead TV Draft Guide is out and running, guys. I've been through it. It is phenomenal. There's a lot of good content. Even if you don't like the draft, some of the analysis of just the division and the Packers in general is worth the price. Uh, It's a digital copy, so you don't have to lug it around with you. It's right there on your phone, right there on your computer, your tablet, whatever your viewing device would be. It's on whatever you want. Uh, Go ahead and give it a grab. Let us know what you liked about it, what you didn't like about it, all those sorts of things. But... It's April. It's a great month. It's almost draft time. And by the time everybody's listening, it is Sunday morning. Tiger Woods is playing in the final grouping at the Masters. So as somebody who became interested in golf solely because of Tiger Woods, let me say, normally I finish this with go, Pat, go. So I will say that now, but I will also say go, Tiger, go. Thanks, everybody. Have a great weekend. 3rd and 6, trailing 30-23, to 23,
2: 2 minutes straight up to go in the game. San Francisco showing a blitz through the A-gap, and here they come. Rodgers looking, throws left side of the, the end zone. zone. Yes. Touchdown! Yes. Yes. Adams, left corner of the end zone from Aaron Rodgers! 16-yard touchdown pass, the Packers an extra point away from getting this game tied! Bethard on third, down and three, in the shotgun. Football to the 46 at Green Bay. Packers showing a blitz, and here they come. Bethard looking, Hit as he throws it, deep down the right sideline. And intercepted! Intercepted on the play! Spectacular interception by Kevin King at the nine-yard line of Green Bay! Snap to Rodgers looking right Throws the right side, Saint Brown makes the carry. to the Oh, he reached back to gather it in, using all six five of his frame, tumbled out of bounds, inside the 30 of the 28-yard line. Snap to Rodgers, looking downfield, throws the left side, to the got it, out of bounds, inside the 10-yard line! My goodness, what a throw and catch! Again they beat Maven down the left sideline. Hunter Bradley the snap. JK Scott down on one knee, arm extended. Here it is placement made. Kick is up. He good! He is good! Yes. Yes. Yes, Mason Crosby delivers the there dagger! Go. One week after his worst day ever, he delivers the dagger tonight! And the Packers win 33-30.